Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from 1 Peter 1. The verses are 1 through 12 and 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. And the text reads, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And Second Peter 1, verses 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Praise God for his almighty and glorious words. Peter's faith was an example of those spiritually faithful few who reinforced the foundational formation of the church Peter's initial introduction to Jesus is recorded in John 1, verse 42. 
Prior to that meeting, his brother Andrew said to him, We have found the Messiah, verse 41, which indicates they anticipated his coming. But identifying the Messiah was not enough for Peter. When Jesus called out, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, Mark 1, verse 17, Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him, verse 18. Both passages reveal Peter's great faith. Peter not only looked for the promised Messiah, but also followed him. Although Peter denied Jesus three times on the evening of his betrayal, Mark 14, verses 66 through 72, he reaffirmed his love to the Lord, John 21, verses 15 through 19. And he became even more dedicated to the Lord. Having seen the risen Lord, Peter's faith never again wavered. He was a leader in the early church, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And he worked diligently to encourage persecuted brethren to remain faithful. His first epistle is addressed to believers in general who are sojourners, strangers in the worldliness around them. These are faithful pilgrims scattered throughout the nations, what is modern-day Turkey. These Christians were enduring persecution, and Peter is asking them to be joyful in the face of oppression and persist in doing good. These were God's chosen people in that he had called them and they had responded. Chapter 2, verse 9. However, they were separate from their fellow human beings, resident aliens in a foreign land. Chapter 2, verse 11. And committed to a different lifestyle. Their actual way of life in a non-Christian and often hostile world characterized their citizenship in God's kingdom. Peter begins to develop the theme he will focus on in the letter as a whole. That is, the situation of Christians in an environment in which they do not belong and from which they may well expect an unsympathetic reaction. Christians in the world today may find themselves in a similar situation. As Christians, our focus must be on Jesus Christ. Our challenge is to negotiate the snares of the evil one, not living in a worldly manner while at the same time bearing a loving witness in the world. Christians ascribe their salvation to the electing love of the Father. God chooses to love us. The redemption of the Son and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. The hope of the children of the living God is a living hope, not only to its object, but as to its effect. The Church of Christ is built on a common confession of faith. Doctrine is the basis of our understanding of our salvation. Peter opened the first letter 
with words heavy in doctrine, such as elect, foreknowledge, sanctification, obedience, grace, which is unmerited love, spirit, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of the apostles' terms are rooted in the Old Testament, but he also used new words such as grace and spirit. The confession of the church begins with the affirmation that Jesus of Nazareth was and remains the Son of God. He is equal with the Father. God declared it by raising him from the dead. Notice Romans 1 and 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. As Christians, we believe the particular act in which the sonship of Christ was most conspicuously ratified and confirmed was his resurrection as a manifestation of transcendent and divine power. The gospel message, centering as it does on Jesus Christ, is a continuation of the Old Testament's prophecy. The apostle begins his letter by addressing the pilgrims of the dispersion. Those called out, the elect. These were those particular fellow Jews who had been scattered throughout various Roman provinces. By extension, we are also scattered pilgrims, passing through this low ground of sorrow, Peter prays that peace be multiplied, that the gracious peace that can only be supplied by God be multiplied, increased in our hearts of mind. Peter continues by pronouncing a blessing on God the Father. Many of his themes, again, are found in the Old Testament. However, when Peter wrote, God has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he introduced something revolutionary. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, the Lord spoke of being born again, John 3, verse 5b, except a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Paul tended to describe Christian living as a resurrection, Romans 6, verse 4b. We, should, we also should walk in the newness of life. In Titus 3, and verse 5, this newness is described as a regeneration. Jesus offers a new birth and a fresh beginning. In 1 Peter, new birth is a dominant theme as stated in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, begotten us again to a living hope. This hope is a part of faith and a consequence of it. Peter writes in chapter 1, verse 23, born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. The blessings of being in Christ include the present, Notice 1 Peter 1 and 4, inheritance incorruptible, found in the promise of the eternal now and guarded by God, 
David says it in Psalm 16 and 6, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. There is also something more to come, verse 5, in the promise of salvation in the eternal tomorrow. In Christ, believers have an already as well as a not yet blessing. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. 1 Peter 1, verse 20 and through 22. But because the Savior, Jesus Christ, is living, the hope attached to this new birth is described as living. 1 Peter 1 and 3. The inheritance awaiting God's children is not subject to decline or decay, or decay, for it is reserved in heaven, verse 4. It will be revealed in the last time, verse 5. That is, when the Lord returns and separates the righteous from the wicked, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, and John 5, verses 25 through 29. In these last times, as we read in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8, the lawless one, or the son of perdition, will be revealed. This outburst of evil is present now and will be present in the future, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13. Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, and 1 John 2 and 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Our hope for salvation is kept by the power of God for those whose faith is demonstrated by a heart of mind turned and receptive to God. For the faithful Christian has access to the peace of God. Philippians 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Peter, like Paul, calls for joy to be present even in the time of various trials. According to Peter, his audience had reasons to greatly rejoice. Peter proclaims that God is worthy of praise. In the way Peter names God, we see the first reason for praise. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 3. Zechariah describes him as the Lord God of Israel, and his praise includes what God has done and will do for the nation whom he specially chooses, chose to be his people. Here the praise is for God who sent Jesus and who revealed himself as the Father of Jesus. Jesus himself is described as Lord. The Old Testament name and description of God the Father is 
is here transferred to Jesus. Greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved. 1 Peter 1 and 6. The readers of this letter were encouraged to rejoice in their having a living hope through Christ's resurrection and their unfading inheritance. Describing how their trials could turn out to be blessings, Peter told his readers that their faith being much more precious than gold that perished though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. 1 Peter 1, verse 7 and 8. Believers have a living hope. To be born in a physical birth brings us into a world that will eventually perish. Spiritual birth is is into a world where there is hope for the future. Hope is the key word in the letter. Hope is the conviction that something will happen in the future. Spiritual hope is the promise made by God. The strength of hope rests on the reliability of the fact and the promise. The fact is certainly one that is accepted by faith. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The promise is also accepted by faith. The New Testament reveals God as he who raised Jesus from the dead. Hope is both a part of our faith and a consequence of it. As Christians, we must have a forward-looking and otherworldly perspective. As Christians, we must continue, we must continue to exhibit confidence in Jesus and rejoice in him despite our trials. When Peter speaks of the grace that was to come to you, verse 10, he is describing what the prophet said, foretelling salvation in Christ. The best hopes are ancient. Their prophecies would be fulfilled, will be fulfilled in the future, in those days and at that time. Joel 3, verse 1. The Old Testament prophets anticipated the marvel of grace foreshadowed in the Messiah and prophesied of the grace that would come. 1 Peter 1 and verse 10 and Acts 3 and 24. They did not know all the details of God's plan, Ephesians 1, 7 through 14, and Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. In him we have redemption through his blood and revealed by the Holy Spirit. Christians have the ability to not only know God's plan, but also benefit from God's plan of salvation. We enjoy a divine hope that is both practical and secure. I'm going to put a pause on here. I will cover 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, focusing on uh, the graces 
that are, and the treasures, God's promises, spiritual treasures, uh, on next week as we move forward uh, with uh, Peter's epistles. And uh, I have a list of these that I want, would like to share with you. So we will push that until next week. So in conclusion, Peter wrote two letters of the New Testament. He offers directions for Christian living. The apostle expands on Ephesians, Colossians, Titus, and 1 Timothy in describing Christian responsibilities to ordained systems and toward one another. Peter also wrote about the vicarious sufferings of Christ with a clarity unique to himself. Peter is especially clear as he points believers to the new birth, to the second time they are born. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an everlasting hope. There's that focus in chapter 1 and verse 3. And you have been regenerated, not from a mortal origin, but from one that is immortal, verse 23. In in other words, incorruptible seed. If we are faithful, we may gain this redemptive spiritual maturity and gain the promises of God. This lesson is yours. Again, next week's lesson we will take up these promises of God focused on in 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 4, as well as looking at 1 Peter 1, 13 verses, thir- verses 13 through 25. Let's pray together, saints. Our Father, which art in heaven, Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being present, for being in the midst. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die on that old rugged cross for the sins of mankind. We thank you for the promise Jesus' sacrifice represents. Thank you for the demonstrated hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the church that he established where men, women, boys and girls can work out their soul salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you for your extraordinary promises. Father, we approach your throne of grace with a uh, humble heart of mind. We repent of any trespasses we have committed and ask for your forgiveness, knowing you are forgiving God. We thank you for your model of holiness, your grace, and most importantly, your love. We seek to access and demonstrate your love in our interactions with our brothers and sisters. We humbly ask that your healing arm of protection be extended to all who are weary and downtrodden this day. We pray for those in nursing homes, those who are on their bed of affliction, We pray for their caregivers, for essential workers who continue to serve as we continue in these difficult times. We pray for those who are in the 
grip of addiction, those behind prison walls, those who are struggling to find a job, struggling to care for their families. Father, we ask that you heal, restore, and build up all who are in need this day, if it be your will. We pray for those who do not know you yet. We pray for space and time that they may come to you before it is eternally too late. We pray for all those within the sound of my voice and their extended families. Please give us all those things we need to serve you. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, family, thanks for listening. Let's make a loving difference in the life of another this week. Thanks for your support. Stay safe and joyful. Bye for now.